We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. To make a rich, smooth cold brew, Tim Horton steeps 100% Arabica beans for 16 hours. What could be richer than that? Well, uh... How about blending in swirls of sweet Irish cream? Rich enough? Ooh, I guess. Not quite. Because Tim Horton's tops that cold brew with the cloud of sweet cold foam. Now, what could be richer than that? Nothing? Exactly. Irish cream cold brew with cold foam now at Tim Hortons. Or try cold foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating U.S. locations. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, my visionary friends. Thank you for joining us on another exciting adventure into future possibilities. This is Mission Evolution, where we share innovative thoughts and information with today's leading experts, bringing evolutionary solutions to today's unique challenges. You, my treasured audience, are a very important part of this discussion. Email info at missionevolution.org with any comments or questions, and we'll address them on the very next show. So take notes, sit back, and enjoy. This hour, we'll be exploring Deep Dive, Evolving Through Introspection, Spiritual evolution of a species is dependent upon the evolution of its individuals. Evolution of an individual is an inside job and a personal choice. Should one decide to engage in personal spiritual evolution, we need a starting point. It's impossible to move forward and evolve if we don't know where we are. The only way to take stock of where we are is through honest introspection and self-reflection. How does one engage in introspection? What are the pitfalls of the inward journey? How can moving backward in our history help us move forward and evolve? With us this hour to examine the inward journey and its benefits and challenges is Jenny Lee. Jenny is a Nautilus Book Award-winning author of three books, Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions, True Yoga, Practicing with the Yoga Sutras for Happiness and Spiritual Fulfillment, and Breathing Love, Meditation in Action. An expert in the fields of yoga therapy and spiritual living, Jenny has counseled private clients worldwide for over 20 years. Her website, JennyLee.com, excuse me, JennyLeeYogaTherapy.com. That's JennyLeeYogaTherapy.com. Jenny, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution. Hi, Gwilda. So happy to be with you today. You um, obviously are, are deeply immersed in yoga. How did you first become interested in it? Well, like many people, I um, became interested in yoga through a physical practice first. But 
pretty quickly got interested in the more philosophical end of the spectrum and started studying the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali and um, on many different variations of that, I mean, translations of that, and really found within the philosophy of yoga a lot of tools to uh, improve my life and find peace, inner peace and happiness. And it's been my path for the last 20 years teaching and sharing the, the, these beautiful um, ancient truths with other people and helping my clients to, to do the same. So where, where all did you study yoga? Um, well, I started out in Los Angeles, California in a power yoga class with Brian Kest. And from there, I sought out many different teachers. Um, I began a yoga studio and teaching yoga even before the Yoga Alliance and yoga teacher trainings were even a thing. Um, so I and I grew, started my yoga therapy practice, my individual client practice, before I even knew that there was an international association of yoga therapists. So it was kind of an interesting trajectory to just feel my way into it from a very personal standpoint, and then you know recognize that there was this whole um, industry or or community building around. The practices, and so it's been it's been a long trajectory. But obviously, the science of yoga has been around for thousands and thousands of years. So this is nothing new to the ancient yogis. Um, and I uh, I've studied so many different teachers, but my primary spiritual teacher uh, in the last ten years has been the um, Paramahansa Yogananda, who is the author of the spiritual classic autobiography of a yogi, which many people know, he, he's no longer living, um, but his teachings really brought all of it together for me in a very special way, and um, so it's his work that I credit most with my, my work now. So um, to bring us all up to snuff, <laughs> those of us that aren't familiar with yoga, what is a sutra? What is a sutra? That's a great question. So a sutra is basically... Um, so it's a short teaching and like beads on a mala, the sutras are very short, uh, pithy little truths that have been passed down through the ages and teachers have taken them and expounded on them and really worked with their students on how these short little spiritual teachings relate to our lives and, um, can be embodied in so many different ways. So it's, um, it's that it's just that it's a short spiritual teaching um that we then dive into and try to really feel from the inside out and embody in so many different ways so how old are these sutras they are um Patanjali's yoga sutras are considered to be over 2500 years old so I don't think there's an exact date on them. There's, there is, you know, like the Bible, there's um, these ancient texts that have been passed down through the ages are dated as best that they can be, but certainly several thousand years old. And yet these hold um, a level of truth that can be applied today? Absolutely. These are timeless truths. And, you know, having studied both modern Western psychology as well as um, the ancient philosophies of yoga, I see so many parallels uh, within the practices that the ancient yogis were describing that would help us to achieve inner equilibrium to practices that are within modern psychology today. So um, absolutely, these are timeless truths. 
You got to love it when you find those. I mean, they're so valuable and the value shines through the ages, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, what does yoga have to do with introspection? You know, we think of yoga as stretch and get your body nice and maybe a, a, a lifestyle or diet, but what does it have to do with introspection? <laughs> well, yoga is far more than, than stretching and getting your body nice. Um, yoga is definitely, the, those practices, those physical practices and anything dietary or lifestyle related also are just the beginning steps on the path. So there's what's called the eight limb path. And these are practices that are um, outlined in the Yoga Sutras that describe inner values and the compass through which we can find inner alignment in our own being so that we feel centered and anchored in in our truth and also that create harmony in in the world around us and how we can establish a foundation for harmonious relationships and a relationship with the divine as we understand it in individually. And so um, all of these practices sort of lead towards the ability to then be in meditation. Uh, and many people separate the, these concepts. They think meditation is something separate from yoga, but it's really not. Meditation is very much the, the, the pinnacle of a yoga practice. So we're trying to align our our inner world, we're aligning our outer world, we're making our bodies a good vessel to be healthy and strong and able to sit in stillness. And then that deep dive inward into meditation is what then connects us to that sense of inner wisdom, that highest truth that lives within each one of us. And I guess to answer your question about what introspection has to do with yoga, backing up just a little bit from meditation, it's it's sort of a parallel practice to meditation. So meditation is the deep stillness in which we're really listening. Um, but introspection might be a preliminary step prior to meditation in which we're, we're, we're going inward and we're asking some questions. So it's that self-reflection time where we're attempting to get to know that true divine self, which is within each one of us. So my background, of course, is in is in shamanism, and and all of my teachers to a one believed that you had to have the body tuned and aligned and balanced on all all physical levels as well as physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, in order to bring through that um, higher truth. Is this what uh, yoga is achieving, is or attempting to achieve? Is this alignment, physical alignment, so that we're available? to bring through the higher truth. Absolutely. I mean, if you, we want our physical vessel to be as healthy and as aligned energetically as it possibly can be. Now, that being said, you know, people come in with chronic conditions that for whatever karmic reasons, you know, some people have chronic disease, they might have a physical disability. So there's no perfect standard, if you will, but it's, how can we best work with the bodies that we have been given this lifetime and how can we honor them as the temple for our spirit? How can we offer them the greatest assist for health and, and certainly that energetic alignment. And so the asana or physical postures of yoga are meant to, to do just that, to, to create within the body, this stability 
and ease and energetic flow that we find in any of the Eastern practices, such as acupuncture or Tai Chi or, you know, all of these ways in which we, we create energetic flow so that the life force can really move through us at its most optimal level. So another thing that's pretty universal, at least in, in, in my experiences and studies, is that um, in order to be a channel for this, this higher truth, whether for personally or for a, a, you know people, uh, there's also a lot of emotional baggage and um, lockdown places that we have to address. Uh, does yoga address that? Is that part of the introspection? Well, 100%. I mean, we need to be aware of our egocentric tendencies and our emotional reactivities based on our personal experience. Um, emotions are a part of human experience, and we want to honor all emotions as they're coming through, but we don't want to be kind of thrown around by them and reactive because of them, because then they're not uh, serving the function that they're meant to serve. Um, so it's a, it's a delicate balance, and this is where I find the blend of Western psychotherapy and, and spiritual yoga philosophy is a really beautiful um, blend, and it's what I attempt to work with clients is that that combination of both, you know, recognizing and honoring the human emotions that are a part of our experience, but also not identifying with them in a way that creates what you refer to as baggage or this heavy, dense energy that then blocks our ability to bring through the higher truth that is available. Do you have an educational background in uh, counseling or therapy or psychotherapy? Yeah, so I'm not a licensed um, psychotherapist. I chose to step away from the Western path um, and utilize this practice of yoga therapy. So I did, but I did do some master's work in psychology. And so I have training in that. Mm -hmm. So do you have to kind of walk a careful line in that you don't you aren't licensed but you are practicing therapy? How do you keep that straight in the western way? Well, I'm just really clear in letting people know that I'm not a licensed psychotherapist. I I don't work through insurance companies. Um I I'm very clear in everything that I put out there that I counsel via the lens of yoga philosophy. That is the basis through which I offer counsel and um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a different practice, but it's a therapeutic practice, um, and has been working really well for me and many of my clients for many years. So when, um, and it tends to happen frequently, I guess, uh, when you run into a person that's really starting to struggle and having some pretty severe emotional reactions to the practice, do you have a referral base for people that are licensed? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I refer out on many different levels, and there are certain conditions um, that or experiences that people are going through that I would not tackle, so um, particularly so heavy addiction or... Right. Uh, well, we, we are going to have to uh, take a commercial break. Ginny and I will be back shortly, so you don't go away. This okay. is Mission Evolution. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your Quarter Pounder. I'll try your filet of fish There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Again, this is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. To our faithful and thoughtful audience, we really value your opinion, and we'd love to hear from you. What do you think about the power of meditation? Email me at info at missionevolution.org and give me your thoughts or questions so we can all share them on the next show. This in from a member of our audience regarding the episode entitled, Spiritual Awakening, Uniting Science and Spirituality, B.R. states. I loved this episode. It had me on the edge of my seat from start to finish. Thanks for being such a great host. <laughs> Thank you, B.R. Tim had some profound insights into the relationship between science, spirit, and our future potential. Curious, dear audience? Visit our archives at missionevolution.org, listen to the episode entitled Spiritual Awakening, Uniting Science and Spirituality, and let us know what you think. With us this hour discussing yoga and meditation is Ginny Lee. Her website, GinnyLeeYogatherapy.com. Ginny, would you please define spiritual evolution as we'll be using it here today? Sure. Um, Spiritual evolution for me is when we decide to try to remember that we are spiritual beings and i say try to remember because we can intellectualize that concept and and i think many people say oh yeah i know i'm a spiritual being you know here having a human experience but to really get to know that spiritual self is the process of spiritual evolution So the closer that we come to the remembrance of who we are as spiritual beings and the more that we can embody those soul qualities um, which comprise our spiritual essence and bring those into our human life, the more we are evolving spiritually. Why is introspection um, an essential practice for personal growth and well-being? Well, because until we can sort through both our human story and all of the things that we've experienced and which might be challenging our psyches in different ways. You know, we need to come to terms with our our human experiences. We've all been dealt a deck of cards as we come into this human life. Um, And we've got to make peace with those, those stories. And then after that psychological work, we, it comes that step of, recognizing the spiritual essence of who we are, or not necessarily after it, but in conjunction with it, hopefully. Um, Introspection is the process of 
taking that deep dive, as this uh, section is called, this, um, this talk today, of asking questions inwardly about our highest truth, our values, our beliefs, our capacity to know our truth, our purpose, our love um, at deeper and deeper levels. And in, until we get intentional about that, um, we're just sort of carried along by life and thrown around by a lot of external forces. So introspection to me is a really essential practice to getting to know oneself. I'm glad you brought up stories because it seems like our our life is driven by the stories that we tell ourselves, the stories we've been told, and the stories that we believe. And if you've never re-examined those, you're just kind of along for the ride without seeing if it's actually appropriate for you now and moving forward. Is that what you're talking about, and how do you tackle that? Well, absolutely. And in the book Spark Change, um, one of the sections is on beliefs. And so I work with clients all the time on their their beliefs and um, how their beliefs determine their experience. So if we have lived a certain story or been told a certain story, we've created beliefs based on that story. And until we begin to challenge our beliefs and question, is this actually true for me? Is this still true for me? Do I want this to be true for me? Um, like you said, we're sort of carried along by those stories without analyzing whether they're actually true for us. And so questioning our beliefs and reconfiguring our beliefs to support the reality or the experience that we want to have in life is such an important practice. It seems like what we do is take the events of the present and run them through those stories as a filter in order to make sense of life. Are we setting a goal to write new stories or are we setting a goal to be storyless in order to evolve? That's an interesting question. I like that. Um, You're certainly right that we run our current experiences through the filter of the past. That's a natural thing that we all do. Um, And I think we don't have to do it. We can become conscious enough to say, all right, I'm reacting, uh, recognize that we're reacting based on old emotional experience and then bring ourselves fully into the present and say, you know what, this, this current situation that's in front of me really is not connected to that past situation that's triggering me. Let me bring my response into the present in a way that's much more accurate. Um, and I lost track a little bit of the question that you asked, but storyless, I guess, or writing a new story. I I would say maybe a little bit of both. I think we can be intentional about writing the story that we want to have our life be based on, based on our values, what we consider to be our highest values. But at the ultimate level, I do believe that we are storyless beings, that we are just simply souls coming through various stories of human lives to evolve, to recognize that we are pure consciousness. And at the pure consciousness level, we're certainly storyless. So, but that's a, that's a, big leap, right? So we've got to work where we are. (laughs) It is a big leap. And I think that right now, everyone, I mean, that's, that's our currency, isn't it? Is what's your story? Yeah, it is. 
And there's value in that to a degree. Um, we certainly need to recognize and honor people's stories, people's experience, um, the way in which they currently identify themselves um, to the degree that we want to express compassion to our fellow human beings traveling here with us on this ride of life. Um, so like emotions, we want to honor them, but we don't want to completely identify with them. So I guess that's how I would say to work with the story of yourself or anyone else is recognize and honor it, but don't necessarily completely identify with it. So, Jenny, do you think that we're in a particular time in history where we have a, a, a better opportunity to do this work? And if so, why? I don't know that it's any better than any other time. I think humans in many ways have, I mean, we've always been evolving. And who knows that there weren't more conscious times in the distant past. I think we see remnants in some of the ancient civilizations of consciousness that was present that we can't even fathom now. Um, but we're always being called to evolve. We're always being called to grow. And it's a very individual process. So it's up to each one of us to choose that at the level that we are able to choose on any given day. You, well, you mentioned um, uh, times in the past when when people were very, very conscious, uh, possibly existing. Do you see this as a cyclic thing uh, that it's being supported more in one age than another? You know, the, there is much written about that. Certainly within the yogic texts, they talk about the different yugas or cycles of evolution. And so, yes, that's not been um, a strong, big part of my study. But yes, I would say it's definitely cyclic. And to my, to the best of my understanding, we are on an uptick in the sense that we're in a, an evolutionary growth phase. There, the yoga teachings talk about the yugas as sort of these wave-like ups and downs of consciousness. And from again, it's not my field of study, but the best of, to the best of my understanding, we are on an upward cycle. So that's that's a positive. I don't know that we're going to see as as rapid growth as we might like within our lifetime, but it's a it, we're, it's positive to see the the many communities of consciousness that are growing around the world. So it looks like we're a combination of our personal choice to evolve and it being supported or not supported so much by the cycle that we're in. Certainly, yes. Just as we are a combination of our personal internal values and the values of the cultures in which we live. And so, you know, recognizing that we, we have to work within the, the communities, tribes of people that we are connected to and, and recognize the values that are there. It's that delicate balance. I mean, we, we all need to feel con connected to our communities, but we also need to identify who we are personally. So it's a, it's a balancing act, right? <laughs> so how is introspection connected to the practices like yoga or meditation? Well, just to reiterate a little bit, introspection is that intentional seeking of the truer, higher, more spiritual self. So it's the questions that I offer in Spark Change are, are taken, taking the reader through 12 um, components of introspection to 
challenge a bit our values, our beliefs, our concept of what we know, the, the our concept of purpose, who we are in our essence of love. And this is all important because as we go into the practice of meditation, where we're going into deep stillness, we've got to eliminate some of the static of the human psyche in order to open to an experience of that higher self in the depths of stillness. So it's a introspection to me is a preliminary practice prior to meditation. It can, when, when people talk about introspection within meditation, really what they're talking about is more contemplation. And so that's a bit different. Contemplation is a bit more to me aligned with introspection. It's where we take a subject or a question or some reflection on self and we're, we're sitting with it on a more intellectual level. Um, meditation is very receptive space where we're dropping out of the mind and into pure awareness. There's some words that are used a lot, um, and we have a little bit of time left in this segment, but one of them is ego, one of them is higher self, and one of them is spirit. Could you address those as we're speaking to them now? Sure. I don't know if I have more than two seconds to do that, but I'll try. Um, and I guess we can pick it up on the other side if need be. But um, the ego is our personality, really. And it's what we're meant to work through in this life. It's it's who we are uniquely as, as sparks of spirit. So Gwilda is a different spark of spirit than Jenny is. And those personalities, those those egos are are part of who we are, but they're not the totality of who we are. And they, they have, they are problematic at times because they have self-interest. And so we want to work on the qualities of the ego that are problematic, such as selfishness, self-interest, and yet honor the aspects of personality, which are the, the important part, like uniqueness, unique purpose, unique expression, um, higher self, higher self. We've touched on a little bit is that soul essence that's within each one of us. So the more infinite and eternal aspect of who you are that is beyond the human story that you're living through right now. And finally, spirit. Spirit to me is the essence of consciousness or pure energy. And everyone connects to that and experiences that in different ways. And we give many different names to it. So it's, it's broad. <laughs> Very broad. Well, you're correct. We uh, will need to address the higher self, uh, possibly on the other side. Would you mind starting with that? Just to, Well, never mind. We are going to have to take a commercial break. Um, but on the other side of the commercial break, I'd like to see what you see as the difference between um, ego, higher self, and spirit. So um, Ginny and I will return to our discussion shortly, but you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xnbn.net.
the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution. Did you know our entire leading-edge, information-packed past episode collection is available to listen or download with our compliments? Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. To find out more about me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the other things I offer, visit www.findyourpathhome.com. Our guest this hour is Ginny Lee. We're speaking about introspection as an evolutionary tool. Her website, JennyLeeYogaTherapy.com. Okay, Jenny, this is our, our promised time. We were going to go into um, higher self and how it relates to spirit and uh, ego. Yeah, so let's um, imagine a, a very large circle. And this this circle is really the entirety of all creation. So... That to me is spirit. Spirit is the pure consciousness, the pure energy of all creation, of which we are all a part. And then let's imagine a bunch of little teeny tiny circles inside that circle. And all those little teeny tiny circles inside that circle are all the many personality selves that are human beings on the planet right now. Then we each are unique little sparks of that consciousness that are that are within that and we're all doing our dances and working on our personal evolution and the higher self this this is probably the most difficult concept for some people to bridge but is that part for me at least is the part that is the connection between the entirety all that is pure consciousness and the personality so it's the awareness that we are a part of the whole and that can be given different names like our higher self our spirit our soul our you know divine essence our highest truth our highest wisdom these concepts are really if they're the connector they're where we recognize that we are not separate beings out 
flailing about in the universe all by our little lonesomes, trying to figure it all out and do it all ourselves, that we are actually connected to a whole and we are connected to one another within that whole. So that to me is the higher self. And as we tap into that, as we honor and recognize that that exists, that we are not separate beings, that that the separation is just sort of, um, temporary temporarily experienced uh then we start to have a different experience of how we relate to one another and we have a start to have a different experience of how we conceptualize ourselves. so if we do the introspection piece and start to dismantle um our stories does that make us more available to express more from our higher self Absolutely. So as we dismantle, and I guess by dismantle, we might want to define dismantle. So the, you know, okay, personally, I grew up as an only child in Pasadena, California. I had parents who got divorced when I was 13. And there was this kind of conflict or abuse within the home, blah, blah, blah. And so I have this, this story of where I came from and what created me. And all of that is true in that small separate self sort of essence of who I am. And as I've grown through my life and developed in my spiritual understanding, I recognize that my spirit is not defined by any of that. That's just something that I wa- I went through for a period of years, but that I am an infinite being totally available to create and connect at whatever level I choose. And so the more that I disidentify with the, the, the story of the origin story, and the more I identify with the infinite spiritual self, the more available I am to much deeper and more beautiful relationships, both with myself and with others. Well, you know, it's, what is it then that keeps people stuck in patterns of behavior um, and thought that don't serve them. Like, like you said, if you identified with, you know, being a Valley girl for the rest of your life, that's all you'd be, right? Yeah. Well, what keeps people stuck is sometimes that they just haven't been told that they're more than that. Um, I was lucky to be raised by a mother who had a deep spiritual understanding and, and really instilled in me from a young age, this awareness of spiritual self. And so for that, I'm really, really grateful. Um, I think many people have never even been introduced to the concept that they're more than their human story. And so it's natural to identify with the things that they've gone through and are still struggling with. But so that's the one thing. But the second reason that people stay stuck is because there is strong emotion present and strong emotion, unless it is honored and processed in a safe and therapeutic environment um, can really keep us held hostage because we we want to justify it and kind of beat the bandwagon with it. And we have to be willing to let go of it. I mean, this is where people struggle with forgiveness, right? If a, a grave um, trauma has occurred and someone has been deeply hurt, they can feel really justified in their rage <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and and although their rage is is understandable and they have the right to feel upset, 
they're they've also got to be willing at some point to release that heavy emotion in order to be free and to and to evolve so it's um it's yeah it's a combination and it's a delicate balance how much does guilt play in here in other words we have our stories we have our rage we have our but do we cling to them and stay stuck to them because we don't want to take responsibility because that might make us guilty Ooh, well, guilt is a, is a broad topic. Um, I think what you're talking about is, is that sense of responsibility or accountability. And yeah, you know, many people don't want to take accountability for moving forward because the moving forward can require some sacrifice and some hard work. Uh, one of the chapters I have in Spark Change is about willingness, and there's also a chapter on accountability. So uh, I discuss this at length and give people many questions to reflect upon because it certainly when we when we broad bridge the topic of karma, people can get pretty defensive that things are not their fault. And I put that sort of in air quotes. And certainly when a, tra- a transgression has occurred, that is not someone's fault that they have been violated or abused in some way. However, according to the laws of karma, there are reasons we experience the difficult things that we experience in any lifetime. Um, if one accepts the philosophy that we live through multiple lifetimes, the experiences of any one lifetime are, are a product of the experiences and choices that we have made in past lives. And so this, I'm not here to tell anyone what to believe. I'm just sharing what yoga philosophy has to say, which does recognize multiple lifetimes. And so if we, if we choose to accept this as our paradigm of how we look at life, which I do, and it has helped me actually to do that, then when a difficult experience comes to me, I can take that accountability and say, all right, yeah, this sucks. And I didn't, you know, this is not my fault. I didn't choose this in this life. But maybe I, maybe this is as a result of some choice I made in a past life. And I have the power now to change my experience via my choices and my reactions to the difficult experience that's happening to me in this moment. And that's, you know, accountability is really a point of power. So it's not... Um, it shouldn't be looked at as something that's going to make us guilty or weak. It's actually something that's going to give us power, empowerment to make positive changes going forward in our lives. You know, particularly when you consider the concept of epigenetics and how it may have been our per, like, personal karma or this or that, but it also could have been that of our relations that might have been carried along genetically. Stand, coming from a place of power and dealing with it today, because that's the only time we have power. Dealing with the day, regardless of where it came from, is going to make the difference, isn't it? Absolutely. It makes all the difference because it brings us back into that strength of I can make choices for change now. And, um, you know, again, Spark Change is all about taking that empowerment back. We are, we can either let change happen to us or we can initiate change. And so when we start to take the practice of introspection seriously and want to take accountability for any experiences that are happening in our lives, however difficult they might be, we are choosing to empower ourselves. So 
how can we better embrace change? I mean, that, that's, that's basically what we're looking at here, isn't it, is being able to embrace the change rather than avoiding it. Exactly. And I mean, you just named it is we just have to embrace it rather than avoid it. <laughs> um, that's how we can move through change more effectively. Um, many people avoid change because they're afraid of what it will require and what potential fallout might occur because of the changes that they initiate. And we have to be courageous. We have to be willing. We have to be willing to take some loss as well as gain along the path. Um, loss is going to happen regardless. So I would way rather choose the changes that are meaningful and that I desire and take the losses that might come as a result of that rather than wait around and have change happen and take the losses as a, as a involuntary hit. <laughs> yeah. Be a passenger again. So how does one begin to engage in introspection? Well, the reason I wrote this book is because it's the basically the practice that I've taken clients through for many, many years. And the practice of asking questions to me is super important. So we're, we all kind of do this in a way naturally um, without even recognizing it. We question a lot throughout our days, and but we can become better question askers. And the practice of introspection basically is that is the inner asking of questions. So how did I react to that person? Is that how I wanted to react to that person? Was that reaction for my highest good and theirs? Could I have, could I have reacted in a more compassionate and understanding way? I mean, th this, this practice of kind of self-observation and self-analysis can become really second nature um, the more we do it. But what I've offered in the book is these 108 questions with 12 different themes that can give people that sort of initial prompt. And then I, I am very clear in saying, don't stop here. Don't stop with these questions. These are just a starting point. Learn to ask your own questions internally. And that practice of, you know, the, there's an Albert Einstein quote, the important thing is to never stop questioning. And this is how we grow. And it's how we grow both internally and externally. So we're about out of time in this segment, but what are the pitfalls of the inward journey? Huh. Um, well, we can, you know, many people become self-judgmental, and that's something I talk about as well, to caution people. This is not meant to be a practice of self-judgment. We, we've got to approach it with a lot of compassion. We are all doing the best that we know how to do. Um, even people who are acting in deep ignorance and terrible ways, I would say, are doing what they know how to do at the level of consciousness that they're at right now. They may be at a very dark and ignorant level of consciousness, but um, we are doing the best that we know how to do. So we've got to approach it with compassion because the, the biggest pitfall would be that we, we fall into, into self-judgment, and that's not going to help us grow. So you're saying self-compassion is a very important part of this process. 100%, yes. And it seems like we lack that a lot, don't we? We do. People are really hard on themselves. I mean, really, really hard on themselves. So we're our own worst critics. And that's not the practice of introspection. That is Absolutely. old mm -hmm. pattern. 
Well, it is time for a commercial break. Ginny and I will be back shortly to continue our discussion. So don't go away. This is Mission Evolution coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I love to hear from our audience. Your thoughts are very important to me. To suggest a topic or guest that you think would be of interest, email us, info at missionevolution.org. To find out more about me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the other things I offer, visit www.findyourpathhome.com. Speaking of gifted people of service to the world, this hour we're sharing thoughts with Jenny Lee. Her website, GinnyLeeYogaTherapy.com. Ginny, we were um, talking about how damaging it can be to not have self-acceptance, to to take yourself to task so hard, to not accept the fact that you are being in process. How much does that have to do with our unwillingness and fear of moving moving into change? Well, it has a yeah a lot to do with it. As we were saying, we're our own worst critics, and we can really stop ourselves from moving forward in life by being so self-critical. Um, so that pra- the practice of self-compassion, self-acceptance, is really a number one if we want to initiate change. We can only move from where we are, so we have to accept where we are today and really love ourselves as we are today before we can take those necessary or desired steps forward. Isn't it a a question of where we're identified as well? If we're identified with our story, um, then we can, we're probably more critical, aren't we? We can be. Yeah. Um, 
because it could be an egocentric uh, kind of self-inflated identification with the story, or it could be a very self-critical, like I'm not where I want to be identification with the story. But as infinite beings, we have the potential to change always. And so um, it's, again, shifting that, that identification from the story self or the personality ego self to that more expansive, higher vibration of who we are that has the potential to change always. Well, you know, often people deal with adverse experiences by forgetting them and moving on. What problems arise from that approach? Well, they may think they've forgotten them, but <laughs> the body does not forget. Our, they say that our biography is stored in our biology. So um, mm -hmm. I, in working with people in yoga therapy, I mean, I see it all the time that heavy emotional states and traumatic experiences get very lodged in the body. And so we may think that we've forgotten it or, you know, many times people suppress traumas, but it's in there. And until we face it head on and, you know, work with someone who can really help us make sense of it and bring it out of the body, call it out of the body, then, um, and there's many different ways of doing that, right? You mentioned you were into shamanism. So that's certainly something that the shamanic practices help people with. It's body centered psychotherapy helps people with it. Um, Yoga therapy helps people with that. So there's lots of different ways that people can liberate the, the emotions from their bodies and, and move through those past traumas. Um, yeah. So the, do those stored emotions um, provide some of the blockage to us expressing our higher selves? Oh, yeah. They, um, they're, a they're an energetic restriction, right? Like we were talking about earlier, where if we're using a practice like um, physical asana, yoga postures, or acupuncture, or tai chi, or any of the practices that move energy through the body with intention, you're going to start to see some of those old residues move on out, which is good, because I mean, I know when I first started my yoga practice, I, I would have moments where I would just cry on the mat because something would start to move and I wouldn't even know what it was. I wouldn't even have a story attached to it at the moment, but I just felt like this emotional release. This is actually really common for people in yoga um, classes. So to recognize that that's an important part of the process, then we give space to it and we want to give space for those releases, um, certainly not every yoga class is, or yoga teacher is prepared to hold space for that. So if, if that occurs for you, um, you should talk to a therapist. Uh, but it's a, it is an important part of the process to let those emotional releases happen. So is the access point putting our body in positions that it's not familiar with. So we, we have locked something up and then we tend to not move around it. Is that how yoga accesses those places? Well, I'm not sure that it's exactly the positions. It's often more the breath that creates emotional mm -hmm. release. You know, many people um, hold their breath or restrict their breath in a lot of ways based on traumatic past experiences where they've just sort of restricted and learned to kind of hold it together and, you know, barely breathe because it's not safe. And, um, so when we start to do stronger breath practices, which in yoga is called pranayama, 
um, we start to see some emotional release happening because we're again, liberating that energetic channel, that flow of, of energy through the body. And, um, the breath is such a conduit of, of emotion. It's also a conduit or a connection between ourself and our, our small self and our higher self. Um, because obviously when there is no more breath in this body, the spirit has gone on to other experiences. So it's the breath is, is a huge connector point and um, a beautiful practice to work with. There's um, kind of a mixed bag, I believe, between accessing our past stories, our past traumas, our past emotions, and getting stuck there. How When you're going through hell, keep going, right? Winston Churchill. How do you avoid that sticky widget, if you will. Well, this is where I think, you know, working with a coach or a therapist or a shaman or someone who has been into the darkness themselves and come out the other side and can really hold your hand and go the process with you is really important. Um, We need to ask for help. That's that I'm a big proponent of asking for help. And there are many helpers out there. Um, So people need to seek those who they feel are safe and trustworthy to help them if they're going through the process of, you know, revisiting old traumas. Um, But yes, we, we can't, we've got to trust the process and know that there is light on the other side and that we won't get stuck in it if we keep moving forward. Um, Shame is, you know, Brene Brown's work is, uh, has, she's done a lot of work on shame and shame festers in the closet when we hide it. Um, if we call it out into the light and we start to speak about it and own it and, and really work through it, then it starts to dissipate. Uh, it's one of the most toxic emotions that is, is present for human beings, shame. And so it's really important to, call it into the light and ask for help. It seems like um, what you're talking about here is bringing these things back up so that we can reevaluate and reframe them. Is, is that what you're doing here? Well, I mean, I think that's what most any therapeutic process is doing. It's saying, let's look at the places that we're stuck. Let's bring them into the light. Let's um, sometimes refeel them. Let's sometimes, let's re perspective them. Let's heal them by bringing the strength of who we are today or the potential strength that we have available to us to the situation. And let's claim a new experience for ourselves. So, you know, I think that is essential work for all of us to do. Everyone gets to it at their own pace. And we do need helpers along the way. I've had many beautiful teachers and therapists along my path that I am so grateful to for, you know, helping me call the dark places out and, and find my strength, find my inner strength and claim that, that light that lives within, that I believe lives within each one of us. You um, have spoken throughout this, this hour, many times of asking yourself questions. What is that about? um, The practice of introspection, asking ourselves questions, to me is the way that we grow. 
you know, we can sort of go through life reacting to whatever's in front of us, or we can become more intentional in how we walk through our days. So, you know, one of the questions that I love to start a day with is, how do I want to feel today? Not what do I want to do today? I've got my to-do list, but how do I want to feel today? And by asking that question, as I start my day, I know that I want to feel peaceful. I know that I want to feel connected in love to those who I encounter. And so I set the intention through that question, through that inner check-in with myself about how I'm going to approach my day, and it sets the tone. So it, the asking ourselves questions is the way in which we grow and become more intentional about our lives. So there is a combina- there's a, a link between the type of questions you ask and setting intention? For sure. Um, for sure. I think if someone is asking themselves a question like, um, oh, I don't know, pick something less intentional, like, uh, what do I want to have for breakfast? I mean, I guess that's intention too. I don't know. I, you stumped me with that question a little bit, Gwilda. But yes, I I think that crafting good questions within our own minds, um, one one of the things I like to do is, is this the right question? So sometimes I'll have a question in my mind, but then I'm not really getting an answer. So then I'll, I'll check in and I'll say, am I asking the right question here? And then I'll make a list of a whole bunch of different questions that I could ask in that circumstance. And then inevitably the one stronger one will pop through the list. So that's a practice that I really like to do that brings me into greater intention. Oftentimes, um, we're creating solutions with our questions rather than um, setting our intention. Is, is that the discernment that if you're, you, you say, am I asking the right question? Is that what you're looking for? Well, I mean, I think that it is possible to sort of ask a question where you think you already have an answer. I mean, we do this to one another, right? We sort of ask a question that we already, we're leading the person to the answer that we want them to give us, maybe, um, versus, let's say, asking a question where we're really open to hearing what they have to say. So I, I think checking in with yourself to see Am I asking a question to really seek my highest truth or to just support a past belief that I already have? I mean, that that's a valuable reflection to do. Exactly. Fitting right back into your story. <laughs> so, Jenny, what is your mission? My mission? Uh, I haven't been asked a mission statement in a while, um, although I've written many of them in my life. My mission is to show up in love every day to whatever's in front of me, to whomever's in front of me, to whatever work is in front of me, um, and to embody love to the best of my capacity every day. That's a beautiful mission. We have just a few seconds left in closing. What would you like to share with Mission Evolution's worldwide audience? Mm. Well, to be brave in your introspection practice, to be self-compassionate, to choose love for yourself as well as others every day. These are the things that are most important in my opinion, and I hope that they can bring you peace as well. Oh, bless your heart. So unfortunately, Jenny, we are out of time, but thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you, Gwilda. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for having me. You bet. Our guest this hour has been Jenny Lee. 
Ginny is a Nautilus Book Award-winning author of three books and an expert in the field of yoga therapy and spiritual living. Her website, where I'm sure you can find out about her books, is GinnyLeeYogaTherapy.com. That's GinnyLeeYogaTherapy.com. Remember, our entire information-packed past episode collection is available for listen or download, and it's always free of charge. Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. This has been Mission Evolution with Wildewiyaka coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.exedbn.net. Please join us next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to our evolving world.